Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. Ed and Alex back on the air and continuing with our previews. Uh, We're going to do it a little bit later on in the show. We're going to be previewing the last two conferences that we have up on deck. It's the Big 12 and the Conference USA. In the beginning of the show, we decided to debate kind of an interesting topic out there. Both wide receivers, uh, Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne, are up for the Hall of Fame. Torrey Holt, I believe, has been there for six years, um, and it's the first time that he has made it as a finalist this year, this past year. Reggie Wayne is kind of the new kid on the block. He he played for a little bit longer, and this was the first time in 2020 that he was eligible for the for the Hall of Fame. So who do you take, Ed? Both guys have had great careers. Reggie Wayne had Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison opposite of him. The Rams obviously had the, the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, uh, Isaac Bruce and, and Torrey Holt was the number one receiver in that, that passing offense. Who do you take? Do you take Torrey Holt or Reggie Wayne? Well, I mean, there's one thing that I really want to mention about. I mean, there's two things I want to mention about this debate, which make it actually a particularly interesting debate to bring about. One is, I mean, I, I sort of remember both of these guys as, you know, great number two receivers for a, a time in their career where, you know, Torrey Holt, Torrey Holt was, uh, you know, the number two behind Isaac Bruce, and obviously he went on to do bigger and better things. And the same thing with Reggie Wayne. I mean, you know, he was he was Marvin Harrison's number two for a while. So, I mean, I, I, I think this is almost like the debate of, like, who's the greatest number two receiver of all time. I mean, you could debate that too, but... Um, and the other thing is, is that if you look at their overall stats, you look at touchdowns, you look at, you know, total yards receiving, their, their stats are just creepily similar i mean it just it, it just you know that which makes this debate kind of hard but you know what i what i am going to say is is that the reason why i take tory holt is he did it all he did it all in 11 years whereas reggie wayne kind of played into his mid to late 30s and the fact is is that i think tory holt did more in the 11 years that he played than Reggie Wayne, but I think Reggie Wayne had a longer career and more longevity, and that's why he was at the numbers that Torrey Holt got to. Well, let's talk about those numbers. I mean, you said that they're similar. Torrey Holt, 920 receptions for over 1,300 yards, and then 13,000 yards, and then he had 74 touchdowns. Reggie Wayne obviously had a longer career. He had 1,070 receptions, over 14,000 yards, and 82 touchdowns. I guess, you know, there's one thing that really creeps into this debate. If Torrey Holt had another two or three good years, like, I, I don't remember a receiver just, during his prime, during those seven or eight years when he was with the Rams, I mean, he was putting up some enormous numbers. I mean, he was putting up like 80 receptions a season over like 1,200 yards, and he was averaging that during like a seven or eight year span. But I've never seen a wide receiver decline so quickly 
Torrey Holt just kind of faded into the background and his body just gave out. And I can only imagine what he could have done if he would have lasted for two or three more years. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, is that the, I, I thought both of these guys were, were, were great receivers in their prime. But I, I also thought both of them, like, you know, played great supporting roles in the offenses that they were in. I mean, I thought they, they both showed like, hey, you know, I, I don't have to be the guy. I mean, when, you know, Torrey Holt was part of that sort of greatest show on turf offense, which to me, I, I mean, you can't convince me otherwise. That was the best offense in, in football history, in my opinion. You know, just the Kurt Warner and, you know, you had the Isaac Bruce and the Torrey Holt and the Marshall Falk and Orlando Pace and blocking. And it was just, I mean, that, that offense was just absolutely unstoppable. No, it was. It was. And, uh, they obviously accomplished uh, a great feat with Dick Vermeil uh, in 1999 when they just came out of nowhere and, and won the Super Bowl. But I think we're underselling Torrey Holt a little bit. I mean, he, he led the NFL in receiving yards twice. And he was, in my opinion, uh, you're saying that he was the number two receiver. I remember watching that team. You know, when Torrey Holt came in in the beginning as a rookie or during his second year, he was the number two receiver to Isaac Bruce. But in my opinion, he overtook him. And he became the number one target. If you look at the numbers, if you look at that he was drawing the, the number one cornerback on the opposing team. I can't say that for Reggie Wayne because Marvin Harrison was clearly the number one receiver for the Colts and Peyton Manning's favorite target. Reggie Wayne was clearly the number two. In my opinion, Torrey Holt overtook Isaac Bruce, and he was the main guy in the passing game. He was a Pro Bowl selection seven times out of those 11 seasons. He was in the top 10 in receiving yards eight times. Holt was the youngest receiver to hit 10,000 yards. Uh, and like I said, if had his body lasted a year or two longer, this wouldn't even be a debate because if he could average... 70 receptions for maybe a thousand yards for the next three seasons he would definitely be in the hall of fame so tory holt out of nc state was just an exciting player and in his prime he was he was never going to be like a randy moss or a to i mean he was always in the top five he was more of a low-key guy you know he was he had that low-key demeanor it wasn't about him now it was more about the team and that that's what i liked about tory holt it kind of that, that kind of drew me to him because he wasn't a prima donna. He just went about his doing his job, catching the ball, and 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 doing it at a high level for, for so long. So I, I really enjoyed watching him. I just think Torrey Holt, even though Reggie Wayne's numbers are a little bit more superior, but that's only because he played in the league for 13 or 14 seasons. See, I, I thought they were really similar. I mean, another thing too is like, I mean Reggie Reggie Wayne had a lot of talent around him, but so did so did Tory Holt. I mean Tory Holt we talked about, but I mean Reggie Wayne. I mean he you know he was he was Peyton Manning's guy, and so and I mean and then and then it, uh, maybe towards the end of his career was he was he there for some of the Andrew Luck years too? He was, but it was only like the the last two years because Peyton Manning left. Andrew Luck was in the 2012 NFL draft. Reggie Wayne lasted till 2014. So yeah, he he was there during those the two years. I mean, I mean uh, those, with, with Andrew Luck. I mean those Peyton Manning, 
you know, Colts years. I mean, certainly, certainly, I mean, Peyton Manning had some great years with the Broncos. He won a Super Bowl with them. But, I mean, he really, you know, Peyton Manning became Peyton Manning with the Colts. You know, after after his first bad rookie season, Peyton Manning was, you know, one of, I mean, one of the historical quarterbacks of this league. And like I said, both guys were part of incredible offenses. I mean, the Colts had Peyton Manning, like you said, they had Edger and James, they had Marvin Harrison, and obviously they eventually won the Super Bowl, and Reggie Wayne was a part of it. Torrey Holt was also part of the, the greatest show on turf with Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and, and Prohl and uh, Azir Hakeem, and, and they, they had a great offense that was, was culminated with Kurt Warner at quarterback eventually. So it was great to see. I mean, but the only thing is, they're both great players, Ed, but great wide receivers, they always have to wait. They always have to a long wait to get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, look, Isaac Bruce, it took him like five or six years to finally break into the Hall of Fame this year. The Hall of Fame and Triumph has been postponed to 2021. But Look how long he has to wait. Torrey Holt has already been on the ballot for six years. And then the 2020 season, it was the first time that he was he was one of the finalists. So I'm sure it's going to take a while for Reggie Wayne and, and Torrey Holt to get in. Because usually usually the Hall of Fame is kind of... They kind of discriminate against wide receivers in a way. Because a lot of great wide receivers have to wait a long, long time in order to get into... I mean, I, I think I think really ultimately when you when you kind of break this debate down, I mean, I, I just can't I can't say one was superior was much superior to the other. I would say I would say if I had to pick one, I'd pick Tory Holt. But to be totally honest with you, this this was this was about as neck and neck of a of a debate, and this is this is a good idea for for a debate for this show. And it was. And again, I would also pick Torrey Holt as well. And I agree with that. It's a close race, uh, but it would have been cool to see Torrey Holt play for another two to three years at at the level that we kind of got accustomed to. He just, he left the game a little bit too early and the body came, kind of gave out out there. And obviously Reggie Wayne had a more durable career and he was able to to last all the way to uh, 2014. Let's get to the first conference preview. Uh, let's start with the Big 12, the final Power 5 conference that we have on our on tap. Now, obviously, the Oklahoma Sooners have been reigning supreme in this conference for the past three, four years. It seems like Lincoln Riley has, has just continued um, to get better. And this team... Every year, I mean, they're getting into the, the college football playoff and they're, they're winning the Big 12 Conference. And it seems like it doesn't even matter, Ed, who the quarterback is. I always joke, you know, uh, we joked a couple of times that I could take over as the Oklahoma <laughs> Sooners quarterback. And I think, you know, I'll put up Heisman-worthy numbers. But, I mean, look at Baker Mayfield. Look at Kyler Murray. Look at Jalen Hurts. But they, they are breaking in a new quarterback this year. A younger quarterback, whether it's Mordecai or Spencer Rattler, what do you think? Are are the Sooners still the top dog in this division? Yeah, I mean they are the top dog in this division. Uh, yeah, and I mean you you are totally right about you know quarterback being the big question mark in Norman. I I would the the thing I would say about it is that I think Tanner Mordecai 
gives you that insurance policy. I mean, Spencer Radler, it's not, it's the problem with him is that he's young and inexperienced and kind of an unknown, but Tanner Mordecai kind of brings that, you know what you can get out of him. And so I actually, I feel pretty safe going into the year, uh, knowing that, you know, Oklahoma will be able to use their quarterbacks well enough to win. And, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of talent on this team around them. Um, you know they have a pretty easy schedule for them, in my opinion. I think that I, I think they're they're a team that that can get into the college football playoff. Um, you know they're really they're really going to be able to run the ball. I mean their whole offensive line and running backs are returning players. Um, and I, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think defensive coordinator Alex Grinch did a good job improving Oklahoma's defense in 2019. So. Um, you know, you don't play much defense in the Big 12, but I, th- I think Oklahoma has, has done enough to, to at least be at least be a, a good contender, um, you know, with their defense. Well, I mean, you mentioned everything. I mean, I'm also taking the Sooners as the top team in this conference. They, they have one of the top offensive lines at their disposal. Um, even though they lost a guy like CeeDee Lamb, I still feel like a wide receiver. They're, they seem to reload every year. I think that defense should be better in 2020. They, they did show improvement last year. Yeah, the Sooners are, are definitely the top team, and they're, they're going to be in there in the thick of things in the, in the top four if we do have a college football playoff. How about a team on the rise? How about a team that you think will surprise this year? You know, I like I like the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, you know, Chuba Hubbard, I mean, he he is a good back. I mean, he 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 really, I mean, he has a fumbling issue, but I mean, when you when you know as a pro prospect, but I mean, he really is like a, a you know, a first or second round quality running back and I mean, maybe he's has a lot of carries and that'll drop him down and we're seeing that with running backs. But I, I mean, I really like what I see out of Chuba Hubbard. The other one I like is uh I I like I like their receiver, um, Tyler Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, I like. I think he's a day one or day two prospect, and so uh, and then and then they got you know kind of a young quarterback in Spencer Sanders, who I think has a lot of potential. Um, their defense will be. I mean, they had they return eleven, uh, ten of eleven starters on defense. Um, you know, most of Oklahoma State's offense returns. So I, I like the Oklahoma State Cowboys this year. Well, they're going to be in the thick of things uh, as well. I mean, they're—I think I saw them being ranked number two, um, you know, in in the Big Twelve predictions. So obviously, they they should be better. I mean, I think they returned like 19 starters off of that squad that won eight games last season. It's pretty impressive. And you're right, Hubbard is going to be the the driving force. I'm going to go with the Iowa State Cyclones. I love what Matt Campbell has built there. Um, yeah, I just feel like he, he's done a great job. I think Iowa State has a very underrated quarterback in Brock Purdy. Um, he just he wins. I mean, he is he's one of the top quarterbacks in this league, if not in the nation. And they also have a defense that has ranked near the top in the Big 12 the, the past three seasons. They've got Brees Hall, who is a rising star running back. They've got a tight end by the name of Charlie Kohler. Uh, he's a junior. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. They've got a young receiver in Tariq Milton, who is a deep threat. He's like a 4-3 guy. He, I think he averaged over 20 yards per catch last season so there's there's a lot of things that iowa state has going for themselves they won seven games last year 
Matt Campbell has had three winning seasons, and I just think the Cyclones again they're they're going to compete. They're they're going to be out there. They they host Oklahoma. They play against Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas on the road. But this is a tough squad, and again, it, it comes down to Brock Birdie, who I think is is a very underrated college quarterback. And a lot of people like him as a pro prospect. I'm not as high on him, but you know, there there's a following out there with with Brock out there. So I'm going to say Iowa State is uh, is definitely going to surprise some people this year. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them if they win like nine or ten games. Well, uh, it's going to be a conference schedule, so they'll they'll have to go unbeaten. But I mean, they'll they'll probably win about seven or eight games for sure in that conference schedule in the Big Twelve. How about a disappointing team in the Big Twelve? You know, I, I hate to go against my guy, Will Greer, but he's not there anymore. Um, you know, Coach Neil Brown, I think he's still learning the ropes there. And, you know, Derek Doge, um, still an unknown. Um, they only returned five starters on defense. Um, they have new tackles on the offensive line. You know, their interior guys are returning, but still. Um, and, you know, they have a tough conference schedule. And so I... I I, 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 I don't like I don't I don't like the chances for the West Virginia Mountaineers this year. I think this is a disappointing year for them. I'm gonna go with Baylor. Uh, I think Baylor gets an A plus for hiring Dave Aranda, uh, the defensive coordinator from LSU. I think he's gonna do a good job filling in for Matt Rule, um, and they do have one of the top quarterbacks in this conference, and Charlie Brewer. But they lose Denzel Mims, and they lose almost everyone on defense. And Baylor led the Big 12 in scoring defense last year, but this group brings back just two starters. And that's that's a lot. That's a lot of turnover. And with no spring football, with no real camp, with the new defensive system that Dave Aranda is bringing in there, it, they're, they're playing catch-up. I mean, you don't have juniors and seniors on that defense, and you're going to bring in a new defense, new terminology, and it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be a tough year for Baylor after they, they had a great year last year. So with Matt Rule leaving, I think they're in good hands for the future, but it's going to be a tough first year for Dave Aranda. How about top prospects in, in this conference, just in general in the Big 12? Everybody wants to hear who the, the draft prospects are for the 2021 NFL draft. Well, we already said the name, I already said the name Chuba Hubbard. Um, you know, I think, I think he's a day one or day two back. Um, you know, the fumbles are the issue, but he's got good bursts. He's a good blocker. Um, he led the nation in running in 2019 and he's excellent at breaking tackles. So, and he's just hard to bring down. So I, 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 I like Chuba Hubbard as a, you know, NFL prospect. Um, Another, you know, sort of offensive line type to think about is uh, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Um, he has some nasty to his game. You know, good angles while on the, you know, he angles while on the run block. He's a good pass blocker. Um, you know, he can he can take on the big boys in the middle. Um, the only thing about him is I, I think he might be better for kind of a zone scheme in the NFL as opposed to more of a gap scheme. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. Um, you know, back to Oklahoma State, um, you know, his teammate Tylen Wallace, you know, he's a guy who can high point the ball. He's a good route runner, um, above average run blocker. Um, you know, he was just he was just the go-to guy in Oklahoma State's offense. And, um, you know, he, he, he can bring yards after the catch on the screen. So 
Um, Tylen Wallace is another one. You know, Chuba Hubbard, a couple offensive guys, Creed Humphrey. And, I mean, kind of the last one I want to mention is Samuel Cosme from uh, Texas. Uh, he's the left tackle. He's a good pass blocker. Uh, maybe needs to be a little bit quicker with his kick slide to the edge, but he's a great run blocker, and he has good awareness as a run blocker. All right, let's 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 go with the rest of the guys out here, uh, the ones that haven't been mentioned. Let's go with a couple of quarterbacks. I mentioned Brock Purdy from Iowa State. Uh, he is an undersized quarterback, but you know, here's a guy that, that threw nearly for 4,000 yards through the air, and he can make things happen with his legs as well. Sam Ellinger ha- has been discussed as well, another dual-threat quarterback that needs to get better. But if if Texas improves from last year, if they win more games, I mean, they went 8-5 and five last year, um, Sam Ellinger is going to be the driving force out there. Uh, Texas also has a safety, an interesting safety. His name is Caden Stearns. He's one of the top safeties in the nation, as far as I'm concerned, in the pass-happy uh, Big 12 conference. Trey Brown, the cornerback from the Oklahoma Sooners, this guy's fast. I mean, he's a 4-3, 4-4 guy. Um, just interesting cat out there. I, I hope he gets better as a senior, but the speed is certainly there. Uh, Garrett Wallow, the, the linebacker from TCU, he had 125 tackles last season and should easily finish with triple-digit stops again this season. Another guy to keep an eye on. And I wanted to mention another TCU player that is getting some love lately, but this guy is a ball hog. His name is Trayvon Morig. He's a safety. He's about 6'2", 205 pounds. He had four interceptions last year. He's got good ball skills. And he was the second leading tackler for TCU. This guy's going to get a lot more love, I think, in the 2021 NFL draft. Right now, some people are starting to, to buy into the hype a little bit. But Mo Rigg is definitely a guy to watch. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the ball skills. And um, if we're looking for like a breakout candidate, I'm going to say either J.D. Spillman, he was at Nebraska before. He was a slot receiver who transferred to TCU. I think he's going to make a huge impact there. Or another guy is Charleston Rambo, the wide receiver for the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, With C.D. Lamb moving on, uh, Rambo caught 43 passes for 743 yards and five touchdowns last season. I think those numbers are definitely going to go up, I think. We saw Marquise Brown take his game to another level. We saw C.D. Lamb break out last year. I think Charleston Rambo is going to become one of the top receivers in the 2021 NFL Draft, the rising junior. So those are a couple of guys to, to keep an eye on in this conference. But I agree with Ed. Chuba Hubbard, Cosme, Tylen Wallace, Creed Humphrey, those guys are, are the top dogs out there. And Tylen Wallace is coming back from a torn ACL, so we'll see how he's going to be able to bounce back. But if he does, if he comes back to form from what we saw the, the last couple of years, I mean, this guy's easily going to be at the Senior Bowl. Let's move on to the other conference that we wanted to discuss, and that's the Conference USA. So who's the top team here? Make a case, Ed. You know, I, I'm actually going to go with Marshall. Um Marshall Thundering Herm, uh, Heard. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Isaiah Green, he's their quarterback. He's returning. You know, Doc Holliday, I mean, he's been a longtime staple for the program, and he knows that conference. 
Um, their offense, you know, should be strong with plenty of return players returning. Um, their defense should be good enough to win games. You know, probably not as strong as their offense. You know, their whole offensive line are seniors, and four out of five are returning. So, uh, a lot of a lot of th- a lot of reasons why I think uh, I think Marshall Marshall is going to be a good team this year, and I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna win that conference. All right, I'm gonna go in a different direction. I, I think it's UAB. UAB has been a cute story over the past couple of years because this is a program that canceled its football program and you know all the players left they transferred and that's it they closed it down and then UAB once again rose to the top and in a matter of a couple of seasons I mean this team has become one of the top teams in the conference USA and I can make a case that they're this year they're a powerhouse under their head coach Bill Clark just as good as things have been after the reboot, I mean, this year's team should be the strongest yet because they've got Spencer Brown at running back. They've got Austin Watkins, Sammy Watkins' cousin uh, at wide receiver. Uh, they've got, I mean, they've got some starters, a couple of starters on the offensive line. Their defense is really strong. Jordan Smith, the edge rusher, defensive end. Uh, they've got a very experienced secondary, secondary with Bronte Harris and Dijon Turner. Nobody's going to be able to throw on this team because the the secondary is just going to shut it down. UAB has the most talented team, hands down, I mean, when you look at their roster. So that's why, in my opinion, this year, they'll return back to the Conference USA Championship and they'll win it this year. This team is... If we didn't, if we had the non-conference games, I mean, this UAB team can hang there with with some ACC and SEC programs. They're just that good. And in my opinion, it's just going to be interesting to see. It, clearly, to me, UAB is, is the favorite in this conference. How about uh, the surprise team in this conference? Uh, who is it? Well, I, I, actually, I actually think that UAB, I think Marshall's going to win, but I think UAB is my surprise team. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of echo you and I say... Um, you know, this team has been on the rise since returning as a program. This team has a lot of seniors this year. They have 9 of 11 starters return on offense, 9 of 11 starters return on defense. Um, their quarterback, Tyler Johnson, you know, had a little bit of injury hiccups last year, but he should be healthy this year. So I, 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 think, I think UAB is going to be a good team. I just don't think they're going to win at all. All right, my surprise team is somebody that th- this team was banged up last year, and I'm going to go with Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they finished four and eight. This team is going to be stronger this year. I uh, expect a huge bounce back season. Uh, they just they have a lot of talent in this conference. I think their quarterback, junior quarterback Asher O'Hara, sh- he should be a statistical superstar. They've got three or four wide receivers back from last year's squad with. Jaron Pierce, C.J. Windham, uh, they, they've got some talent there. Um, some question marks on the offensive line, but they've got a couple of talented young guys out there, um, in, in my opinion. Their defense, uh, we'll see if they come together, but Reed Blankenship on the back end at safety is a really strong player. A guy, if he bounces back, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. We actually had him on the show uh, a few months back. Um, that was that was a good interview. Uh, go listen to it. 
Uh, Middle Tennessee also has a couple of running backs, a couple of grad transfers, one from Florida State and Amir Rasul, Martel Petway, another running back from West Virginia. I just think this is a more balanced team than they were last year. Last year, they were just a young team that suffered too many injuries. This year, everyone is healthy. This is a more experienced team, and I think Middle Tennessee is, is going to break out. Let's go with the most disappointing team this year in the Conference USA. You know, I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic Owls. Um, I'm just not a believer in Willie Taggart. Um, I think he did terrible at FSU, and, you know, it's no, there's no saying he's going to turn, you know, Florida Atlantic back to what they've been doing. So I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm down on the Florida Atlantic. Um, I think their expectations are high because they've won three out of four years. But they lost a lot of passing targets. I mean, one one that we've talked about is, uh, you know, Harrison Bryant went to the draft, so that that's a big loss. Uh, they have a sophomore playing left tackle. Um, they took a big hit at the corner position. Uh, James Pierre went to the NFL draft, and Miko Dodson went to Florida State. So um, things aren't looking good for Florida Atlantic. That's it. Bring Lane Kiffin back because Kiffin is an old miss. I mean, he he did some wonders there. He won the the Conference USA Championship in his first year by going 11-3, and three. he did the same thing last year uh, by finishing 11-3. and three. Lane Kiffin was turned this team into, you know, he had a magic wand waving around. Let's talk about Willie Taggart because Florida Atlantic is also my disappointing team. I'm not a believer in Willie Taggart as well. This is this is exactly what I wrote down here. Willie Taggart, to me, it is a 7-5 and five coach. At Florida State, he just... He blew up. I mean, he just he he didn't have any uh, any answers. the The Seminoles had some talent, but Willie Taggart certainly couldn't figure it out. At Western Kentucky, he was Mister Seven and Five. At USF, one year he went ten and two. He turned it into an Oregon Ducks job. They went seven and five. He left Oregon. He went to Florida State. Willie Taggart seems to be one of those coaches that's always looking for the next job. He's always looking for that next step because he's not building something at a place where he is at. He's not building that foundation. He's he's one of the most overrated coaches in the nation. You agree with me? I mean, I, I don't think he's overrated anymore now that he what he did at Florida State. I mean, that was a joke what he did at Florida State. I mean, he should have never had that job. I mean, there were there, there were times where that team didn't know what assignment to get on the field. I mean, you're the Florida State Seminoles and they don't know what assignment to get on the field. I mean, that's just I mean, that happened that that the, it was it was just it, it was just a, it was a train wreck at Florida State. So, um yeah, I mean, the, he still he still got a pretty good job, Ed. He still got a pretty good job. I mean, at Western Kentucky, again, he went 7-5 and five a few years. And then he went to USF, 10-2 one year. I'll give it to him. Then he went to the Oregon Ducks. I think he finished 7-5 and five that year before he went to Florida State. So Willie Taggart, again, always jumping ship, always looking. But they seem to like him in Florida. I mean, he had the UCF, USF job. He had the Florida State job. Obviously, Florida Atlantic came calling. So... Somebody still thinks that Willie Taggart can coach. Yeah, well, I don't. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I just th- this is the best that he could hope for. I mean, he landed on his feet pretty quickly after Lane Kiffin left. I mean, Florida State got rid of him, but Willie Taggart quickly got the call. And Florida Atlantic had has a lot of talent. They do. 
I mean, yeah, they lost a couple of pieces, but this is still a talented group that that should compete for the Conference USA Championship. I just, I don't think that Willie Taggart is, is up for this job. So bring Lane Kiffin back. Give him a call. Give him a raise. Bring him nah, back. Lane I mean, Kiffin doesn't want to come back, and when he's pit coaching the SEC, he's not going to want to coach. He's not going to want to coach Conference USA when he's got an SEC job. Well, he had a SEC job. He went to Tennessee. He finished seven and six before jumping ship and going to USC, and then also just yeah, but not but, doing but he anything. Didn't do, right he there. didn't do the job at Tennessee, and that's why he was coaching at Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I guess. Like I said, it's um, look. I'm I'm sure Lane Kiffin would want to come back to Conference USA after he's in the SEC. I mean, you've got Nick Saban. You know, you're you're coaching against you know tougher tougher opponents out there, and you've got head coaches that are getting paid a lot. I've, I've so, just never heard of an athlete or a coach to say I want lesser competition. <laughs> it's just well, Lane Kiffin is not one of them. Lane Kiffin is not one of them. He's not going to back down. I mean, he's brash. He's confident. He knows who he is. He he runs a really balanced offense, and he likes to throw the ball. And, hey, Lane Kiffin has never backed off. I mean, he's always looking for that bigger job. If the NFL comes calling again, Lane Kiffin won't back down. I mean, he'll take that job because he'll be the first one to tell you that the Raiders didn't give him a fair shake. So I feel like this is this is how he feels about not getting a fair shake with USC. He obviously left Tennessee after one year for the Trojans job. Next springboard, I mean, if he does well at Old Miss, maybe he'll replace Nick Saban when Saban rolls off into the sunset. You never know. I mean, it's... Lane Kiffin is one confident guy. Listen to some of, his, some of his interviews on radio. I mean, Lane is brash. He'll talk, and he's just... He, he's never the one to back down from, from a challenge. He, is, he wants to compete against the Georgias and the Alabamas and the LSUs almost every week. He's never going to back down. But he did turn Florida Atlantic into, into a powerhouse in the Conference USA, uh, winning it two out of the three years. Let's talk about uh, prospects, draft prospects for the 2021 NFL draft. Who is out there in the Conference USA? Well, I think one name that comes to mind is uh, Reed Blankenship. Um, he's a safety from Middle Tennessee, but I mean, he's he's one of the better seniors. He's a good open field tackler. He's got good instincts, helps in run support. I think he can play that deep safety, and he's good in man coverage for a safety. So that's that's one that I like. Um, another one is uh, well, another one I think we should talk about is D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. Um, you know, he's a little raw, but I mean. Um, you know, he can be a decent run defender. Um, you know, I just think he needs to get off blocks better. I think he has some foot speed as a pass rusher. Maybe hasn't really come into the pass rusher that he can be. Um, but yeah, D'Angelo. Well, he's a he's a he's a three four outside linebacker at the next level. He's a bit light. Uh, he obviously plays defensive end for them, but he's a three four uh, backer in my opinion. He would be a he would be a dream for a 3-4 NFL team. Yeah, I, I could see that, definitely. I mean, he's got the athleticism. I mean, I just I just would like to see him maybe fight a little bit better getting off blocks. Um, I, I think I think he's a, he's a pure speed rusher. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to build up a little bit of strength. I think, that, I think there are some areas where he needs to build up, but um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is definitely you know a guy who he he's he's going to get drafted. So I mean, we should talk about him. Um, another another one that kind of comes to mind is uh, this kid Brendan Knox from uh, Marshall. Um, his pass blocking form can kind of suck and it can kind of be a little bit cheap, but I can tell you what he he also can look really good pass blocking. And so you know teams teams value that kind of thing, especially in the later rounds. Um, I think he has good balance bouncing off tacklers. He has good bursts as a runner. I think he's effective catching out of the backfield, and I think he's an elusive back. So this guy named Brendan Mox, Knox, he's a running back, and he's for the Marshall Thundering Herd. All right, I'll, I'll take it from here, I guess. Uh, I like a couple of defensive ends in this conference. I like a guy by the name of Keon White. He's a defensive end from Old Dominion. Uh, this guy had 19 tackles for loss in his first year as the starter and the only reason he was a first year starting defensive end is because he played tight end at old dominion before so he switched from tight end went to defensive end in 2019 and was just wrecking havoc in the backfield keon white uh, take a look at his game against virginia he really took over that game i mean he was harassing the quarterback on on a regular basis especially in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line. Jordan Smith from UAB is another defensive end. This guy's long. He's about 6'7", 255. He was at Florida before. He got into some trouble there. He got suspended, and he transferred to UAB. Well, he turned out he had a good season last year, and I think he's going to be one of the top defensive players in this conference. He's a junior. Also keep an eye on him. Austin Watkins, the wide receiver from UAB, in my opinion, the top dog, top receiver in this conference, hands down. Just needs to become more consistent, but he's got good speed. He's got really good hands. I already mentioned Sammy Watkins as his cousin, so he's got good bloodlines out there. Uh, Spencer Brown, the running back from UAB. Justin Henderson, another running back from Louisiana Tech. Uh, Deontay Demery from FIU. He's a left tackle for them. I think Jordan Meredith is a name to get to know. He's an offensive guard from Western Kentucky. This guy is a really good pass blocker. One of the top ones at his position coming back, just in general, for offensive guards. Uh, Chris Mole, linebacker for UAB. Blaze Aldridge, a linebacker for Rice. Uh, ben DeLuca uh, from Charlotte, a safety. He's coming back from an injury. I already mentioned Bronte Harris, the cornerback from UAB, coming back from an injury. Dijon Turner, he's a safety slash nickel corner. He's a really good player. So that that's pretty much... You already mentioned a couple of more guys that I wanted to go with. I'll also mention the Dames twins. Uh, Richard Dames... He is a nickel corner. He's going to play outside this year. He's about 165 pounds, but he's got good ball skills. And a Richard Dames, his twin brother, uh, he plays safety from FIU. So those are a couple of guys to, to keep an eye on as well. Conference USA has a few really good prospects that, you know, Ed already mentioned, Reed Blankenship. I think Austin Watkins with another good season is going to be at the Senior Bowl. Keep an eye on those guys. And uh, it's going to be an interesting race to the finish uh, because they do have some very competitive teams, especially near the top. Marshall, UAB, and a few other ones as well. This was another episode of Blitzcast. Thank you for listening. Take care.